Welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast, the place for dads into self-improvement, or as I like to call it, dad-proofment. My name's Joe Horton, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so as we go on a journey of discovery. On each episode of this podcast, I deliver to you conversations that will expand what you think is possible for you across many areas of life. I'm also going to delve into some tough and interesting subjects so you get insights and a different perspective to take away with you. I do this by speaking to fascinating individuals, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs, and ultra-athletes, professors, psychologists, anthropologists, and also some ordinary dads like you doing some amazing things. Let's face it, none of us get a handbook when we become dads. We have to learn on the job. But being a dad represents a golden opportunity for personal growth and reflection about who we really are because daily our kids shine a light on every nook and cranny of our personalities. If you're anything like me, you're searching for information about how to be a better, more capable, competent, effective man and father. A role model your kids can look up to and demonstrate a life to them where you yourself are growing, thriving and learning new things, acquiring new skills and knowledge that you put into action. But it goes deeper than that. When you thrive as a man, everyone around you benefits and the ripple effect is immeasurable. At its core, this is what Guild of Dads is really about. So I'm going to ask you a simple question. What would your life look like if you could get your mental health, physical health, relationships and self-improvement in optimal shape? All at the same time showing up as the best dad you can be. Think about that. Then write it down. There are a few ways you can get involved with Guild of Dads. You can listen to this podcast first and foremost, but you can also follow me over on Twitter or LinkedIn. I've already started a monthly dad's hike this year for two hours every month, which is free to join, set amongst the beautiful backdrop of the Ashdown Forest in West Sussex. One hour outside of London. You can also grab a copy of my book, The Dad Blueprint, which will fast track you free straight into our private Discord community, the Guild of Dads Brotherhood. To get this, go to dadblueprintbook.com. That's dadblueprintbook.com. To join the monthly hike, or if you simply want to reach out, shoot me a DM or drop me an email to joe at guildofdads.com. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by broadcaster, writer, and radio presenter Ken Coleman to talk about his book, From Paycheck to Purpose, which details a seven-step blueprint to go from a job or career you hate to one which gives you purpose, impact, and a great income to boot. A global poll conducted by Gallup discovered that out of the world's 1 billion full-time workers, only 15% of people are fully engaged with work, which means a whopping 85% of people are unhappy in their jobs. When you think about that, it's a shocking statistic, especially when you think of the amount of hours of our lives we will spend at work. Ken walked the path to escape this predicament, and in our conversation, we lift the lid on exactly what he learned, and what he has taught to thousands of others in the same position. Expect to hear why young people are encouraged to pursue safe professions instead of harnessing wonder and imagination, how men have traded provision for purpose, why you don't have to go all in and leave your day job as some so-called experts claim is the only way, how fear and the unknown are greater than the actual work required to change careers. And now to my conversation with Ken. Ken, welcome to the Guild of Dads podcast. Good to be here. 
Likewise, likewise. I, I heard you on a another podcast uh, of a uh, mutual friend of ours, Mr. Ryan Mickler, a couple of weeks back, and uh, and and your conversation with him really kind of piqued my interest. Insofar as I'm kind of almost that guy that you speak about when you're talking about this uh, this notion of uh, paycheck to purpose. And I know what you do, Ken, is that you help people discover what they were born to do and make their dream job a reality. What one thing I've noticed with my audience, which is primarily dads, is they seem to kind of fall into their job, and and their dream job sounds like something that they spoke to their careers. We had careers tutors over here at high school or secondary school, but it seems like a kind of for a lot of guys, and I, and I talk about guys because it's mainly guys I speak to. It seems like a kind of a bit of a pipe dream. Do you know what I mean? And uh, how do we begin to kind of unravel this and actually say, look, this is a possibility that you could go on to do something which you've always wanted to do, you know? Well, I I think it's a very astute observation. And the, I think we should probably start by talking about why is that true? Anecdotally, I think it's true. Don't know what the data is, but I think it's absolutely spot on. And I think the reason is, um, is because it's twofold. The, the, the first part is as a society, we don't teach men, young men and young women. We don't teach them to, uh, look to their professional future, uh, with strategic, you know, uh, vision. We, we, we just kind of go uh, get a good education so you can get a good job. Like that's the primary thing. And so that is, that speaks to safety, right? So that you can provide for yourself, provide for others. And so you just got to do this so that you can take care of yourself. It's what parents are always worried about. Will our kids be able to get a job? And it's like, get a job. Like who gets excited about getting a job? Mm. Right. But yet that is, we don't train people to look inward, to, to see their unique makeup, to, to stay that creature of imagination that we all come into the world hardwired with a sense of wonder of asking questions. What could be, what should be, what must be, we don't train anybody on that. What we train them to do is answer questions. So by the time they're in, you know, uh, high school in the U S uh, in the UK, I don't know what you call it. Secondary school, whatever yeah, the, yeah. the point is, is that you, they're just, all they're trained to do is memorize and regurgitate. There's no wonder or imagination there. Um, and so as a result, you see the large percentage of society just kind of going through this educational journey and then they find a good job. And so that's the second part of uh, the answer to your question, which is the reason that so many men fall into their job is because they're not searching for it. They, they just simply are going for something safe. And so Mm. there's nothing strategic about safe. There is nothing specific about safe. It's just a good job. Yeah. So when you ask them, how'd you get it? Well, I fell into it. No, it just means you were looking for a safe job that would pay you what you think you need to make and give you a sense of stability because there is something about a man. And this is a good thing that we as men care deeply about providing for others, but we've traded off provision for purpose. We think that, well, in order to provide, I have to somehow pass off 
purpose, pass mm. it by and say, well, I got to choose. Yeah. And so hence the title of the book to go from a mindset of paycheck thinking to purpose thinking, and then you'll find the paycheck is plenty. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and the thing is, I think as well, I think that guys reach a, and, and again, I can only speak from, from my experience. I think guys reach a point at which the kind of the, the rabbit hole ends that they've gone down and, and, and it's particularly, you know, where I live, it's kind of commute, commuter belt territory. So there's a lot of guys that work in London and they've, you know, they're on good salaries and, and, and they've got everything they want, but they're in this kind of meaning crisis where they're just like, actually, I've, I've, I've got the large house. I've got the car. We go on the, we go on the holidays or vacations and, and we've got everything we could ever want, but there's this kind of like empty feeling that kind of is below the solar plexus that says to me, something is missing here and it's meaning and purpose. And, but to extricate yourself from that situation where you're like, actually, this is quite nice. I'm earning a lot, lot of good money and whatever, but I'm miserable as F and I don't know what to do about it, you know? Yes. And it's, it's kind of tragic in a lot of respects that we've kind of got ourselves into this position. But I think a lot of, you know, I, I can't speak for other people, but a, my parents' generation would sort of say, well, you know, you need to you need to get a job that pays reasonably well because, okay, you might want to go and work in the animal shelter, but that's gonna not going to get you a house and it's not going to get you a car. And, so, and I think we've become quite myopic in the way we look at stuff. And, and, and I think what's interesting now is that the ability to monetize skills has never been at such a fever pitch as it is right now in the, in the kind of, particularly in the digital world, I think as well. Yeah, I think that's right. And so let's play that out. So that tragic scenario that you just gave us, um, that ends up manifesting itself in one of two ways. One is your soul is dead inside. And so you long for adventure and you look for excitement to try to rejolt uh, or like a battery, like a, a, a recharge a battery. And so you're out looking for adventure and you have affairs or your drugs, alcohol or gambling or anything to try to get that heart pumping again. That's one direction. Uh, or the other direction is, is, is you're so dead that, uh, when you are around, so, so on that first scenario, you're not around your wife and family, like you ought to be playing the role that you ought to be playing. Um, and then the other one is you're there, but only in physical form and you're miserable and you're, you're checked out. They can tell you're distant, you're depressed, whatever. That's where that goes. It only goes one of two ways, and mm. those are the two ways. And both of those ways are um, are antithetical to who we are as men and who we are as humans. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is, is I think that meaning and purpose is important, and I think it's and like you quite rightly point out, we've in pushing it to the sidelines, we are now having to anesthetize and sedate ourselves against the kind of the inner the inner turmoil that it causes. And, uh, and I think that what's refreshing about listening to you speak and other people that are doing similar work to you is that, is that there is an answer to it, but society just doesn't want to seem to confront this answer. It's just like, oh, actually, you know, oh, there's a, there's another guy committed suicide or there's another guy had an affair or there's another guy hooked on cocaine. Why is that? He seems to have everything that he could possibly want. Why is that? Oh, well, Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll just push that to the side, you know, and it's, mm. 
it's it's a, it's a, it's it's a, it's a real kind of challenge how did you how did you begin to kind of get into the kind of work that you're doing because i know your your testament to your own story if if that makes any sense yeah sure well as you know i in the very opening pages of the book from paycheck to purpose i take the reader right to a very common night for me at that point in my early 30s i had lost the juice as i like to call it uh passion for politics Yet I wasn't quite sure what direction I was supposed to be going in because I had been on that path for quite some time. And, you know, I I was in a a very frustrating, dark place of uh, disillusionment and despair because I'd always been a very purposeful guy and very ambitious and on purpose and let's get after it and let's make a contribution. And I felt like I knew where that place was supposed to be. And then once it was no longer the area of politics, um, it was um, confusing to say the least. So uh, in walking this journey out for myself, you know, in my mid, not quite mid thirties, but young thirties with a wife and three kids um, and realizing that broadcasting was a, um, a viable place for me to, to be uniquely me, just like politics was one place. Certainly uh, coaching uh, in athletics would have been a place. Uh, broadcasting obviously is a place. And so when I locked in on broadcasting, it was like, okay, what type of broadcasting am I going to do? And so as I begin to wade through all the different options there, um, I realized that what I really wanted to do was not just broadcast, but it was to broadcast to equip and encourage people to be who they were uniquely made to be. And so it's like, okay, well, there's not a whole bunch of channels for that. You know what I mean? And, 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 and so that was uh, very daunting to say the least um, to make your own way. And I remember early on figuring out that I was going to have to build my own platform, if you will. Right. There wasn't, you know, Here's this channel over here for all personal growth broadcasters. Because keep in mind, this is before podcasting was ubiquitous, you know. And uh, so for me, it was a function of I figured it out. I figured out how to discover the answer to the question, what should I do with my life? And that's the one of the biggest questions we'll all ask. I mean, it's yeah. certainly top three. And so I felt like, okay, if there is a way to get this answer, I want to give that process to as many people as possible. And did you, your kind of realization, did it come via the, did it come via, um, like, like finances? Was it a case of that you were kind of making good money, but the, the job had lost its kind of veneer or was it a case of actually this, this, there's something a lot deeper here in terms of actually, this isn't giving me the purpose and it's not giving me the, imp- it's not allowing me to have the impact that I would like to have on people in the it way I that. thought it would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was watching the political spectrum and having grown up being enamored by politics, certainly American politics, um, um, enamored with history, you know, uh, thinking this is where I can make an impact. I can serve the lives of others through public office. And when I saw what I thought was smoke and mirrors, uh, a lack of character and leadership, uh, a system that was run amok with self-preservation, um, I lost it all. I was like, this is not 
I, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think I can make the impact that I want to make in politics. So if I can't make yeah. it there, where am I going to make it? And then I got really clear that politics was not it, that I didn't want to be in that world. So, um, so, so that was clear. And then it was a function of, okay, I know I want to serve and impact people who, you know, and how and where, and you start asking all those questions. And, and by the way, you'll note that none of those are wildly uh, profound questions. They're actually quite simple. I, I found that simplicity creates um, true, profound breakthroughs. It's just the simplicity of thought. And to ask questions, who is it that I want to help? Why do I want to help them? How can I help them? Where can I help them? And that was, that was basically the process. And, um, and it was then that I realized um, I can't impact the way I want to impact in this area. So I got to find a new area. Mm. and did you when you kind of came to that kind of realization did you have to break it do you have to break the news to your to your wife that hang on a minute this isn't kind of this isn't kind of working out the way that i thought it would work out and um i'm looking at kind of embarking on something else and uh and what was her reaction to that obviously you've got three you know, it's, yeah we, we laugh about it now but it is serious because you've got three three four mouths oh, to yeah. feed yeah yeah well First of all, no one's ever asked me that question before. And I, I, and I'm glad you asked me this because it's actually really important part of the story. No one's ever asked me. Um, so this is kind of fun. Um, I had started my own business already, um, for transitionary purposes, right? Thinking, okay, I got to get my business up and run and work for myself, control my time so I can run for office in the future. So the good news is that had already been uh, kind of launched and, and it was taking care of business, taking care of bills. So when I told her it was not about, uh, in the immediate, it was not about provision. It was more about my pride. So nothing was going to change. So right before I tell her this, it wasn't, nothing was going to change as relate to me being able to pay the bills and take care of her and the kids. Um, but I was really nervous to tell her you know, cause she had only known one thing too, for me and that I had a dream to run for office, be a governor or a Senator or something like that. And so I was really nervous, um, and had to swallow my pride because of the person that I'm closest to the person I love more than anybody in the world. I, I was going to have to tell her that like, this is a pretty big shift. And not only is it a big shift, I have no freaking clue how in the world I'm going to do it because I'm not even sure which way I'm going. I just yeah. think it's broadcasting. I don't know where in broadcasting, and I certainly don't know how I'm going to get there. But I think it's what I was supposed to do. You know, it was like that kind of a deal. And uh, she was amazing um, and always believed and was always affirming. So, But I was yeah. terrified to tell her that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing is that comes from a place of guys – you know, having their fixer hat on, we like to fix stuff and make make sure stuff's okay and it, and that it, right. everything's going to be okay and stuff. And I think that that kind of getting in the weeds and getting messy and it being uncertain and not like in neat little boxes and kind of you know a bit abstract. That's right. Just, you want to watch a dude get insecure quick is when he breaks something because like yeah. we're, we're all about fixing stuff, but when we break stuff, we turn into insecure puddles. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is as well is I think that. That that segues as well to kind of quite an interest because I, I and I know you feel strongly about this because I've heard you speak about it before. I hear a lot of people 
Now, I've heard people in the podcast space in terms of monetizing podcasts before and say, yeah, just quit your day job and go all in and max out your credit cards and do 90K, 100K on their credit cards. And I've seen guys actually say, yeah, I was, I went all in and everything turned out okay. And you're just like, yeah, okay. But what if it hadn't turned out all okay? Yeah. And and I'm not so sure that it did turn out okay. Yeah, no, because no one's ever going to admit that, are they? You know, you're not going to, no one in their right mind is going to say, oh yeah, by the way, I'm actually close to bankruptcy because I maxed myself out so much to make this happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's an important point to touch upon because there are some, um, how should I say, put this, crazy voices floating around these days that actually do give out that kind of legit advice. And I've seen people do it and it go really badly wrong. Yes. <laughs> in a number yeah, of you know, ways. This is, a, this is a key point. So there are a lot of people in our space, certainly in the personal growth space, and they go on Instagram and they take pictures next to jets and all this kind of crap. And there's this cultural view that in order for me to pursue my dream, it's all in or nothing. Okay. As for you non-poker players, all the poker players already got the me- metaphor, right? Uh, when I'm all, when you bet all your chips in poker, you push them into the middle and you say, I'm all in and it's, that's it. Um, and, and it's not that, that's not what this is. You know, I was able to, uh, to get into my dream job in a seven year process, a very competitive world. And it took me seven and a half years. There's no all in there. Now there are times where we go all in, but this idea that I have to forsake any kind of wisdom or safety and just jump off of a cliff is a false choice. It's a false narrative. That's not what, what it, what it really looks like. It is a, it's a marathon, you know, it's mile number one, mile number two, mile number three, here we go. Four five and six and seven are incredibly lonely and horrible. And if you keep going, you'll catch that runner's win. You know, um, that's what it really looks like. So this notion that, you know, purposeful work and meaningful work or a dream job is this crazy, we roll the dice. Here we go. Woohoo. I hope it works. It's just not how it goes. Mm. And that's, by the way, is what keeps so many men on the bleachers of life, sitting there watching other guys play. And they're up there in the bleachers and they're miserable. And they're just, you know, it's like sitting at Wimbledon, right? Uh, you know, I just kind of, uh, I'm just watching the ball go back and forth and I'm not in the game. Yeah. It's, it's that, uh, oh, it's that old Cherokee, uh, parable isn't it the feeding the right wolf and um it's the pain of staying where you are versus the pain of actually doing you know moving from that position of where you are to somewhere different and i think it's it's because it's like we said just a a few minutes ago because it's kind of abstract and it's not guaranteed it's 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 a bit scrappy and it doesn't look neat and tidy it's it is uncomfortable and i think you know I put out uh, some content recently that living a meaningful life doesn't mean leaving, leading a comfort, an easy life, I think is a word I use because it's, you just, you just hit on something that I want to make sure the audience hears. So I'm going to, I'm going to take over hosting for a second and, and then make you, you the guest. We as human beings, certainly men would rather be miserable than uncomfortable. You said it just a moment ago about comfort because, because, um, miserable is something we know, right? We go, well, I hate my job, hate my boss, or I got to do this, got to do that, blah, 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 blah. But we know our misery and it is our known 
misery that makes us feel, okay, I'm miserable, but at least I know what I'm dealing with. When I strike out and I face the unknown, that's what's so uncomfortable. So unsettling is another word. And so we would rather be miserable with what we know than uncomfortable in what we don't know. Mm, mm. And, that, and that's a tough, and that's a tough inner dialogue to have. And, 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 and interestingly, it's a dialogue that I've had over the last three or four days because like, and, and you can well relate to this. I'm podcasting. I'm helping dads. I've got a membership. I'm coaching guys. I'm doing it all alongside a day job. And what happens is you kind of, you get, yeah, I feel good about this. And no, it's going really badly. And then I feel good about this. And no, it feels really bad. And, and, and you kind of, when you get to these, these, these troughs in the process, you have to have some really tough conversations with yourself. And, 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 and those troughs are very uncomfortable. And you're kind of like, actually, so like in the last few days is, I, I've had to do a lot of self-talk around the notion of, Joe, it's, I know you feel uncomfortable, but it's all right to feel uncomfortable. You've got used to stuff being comfortable. Um, the world's not going to end if you feel a little bit uncomfortable, okay? And then you ride it out for three or four days, and then you kind of go up again a little bit, and then, you, and then you're back in. But you you can 100% relate to that because it's sure. just Can like, I jump into that? Let's, yeah. let's do this. Let's break you down for your listeners and viewers, <laughs> okay? What are you specifically uncomfortable with? What's making you very uncomfortable? The unknown, not being able to, not being able to do things. It could be as simple as um, not being able to sort out like a an email newsletter and it going out at the right time, or um, working out how to do a graphic in Canva, or working out how to upload something to a website. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm okay with tech, but I wouldn't say that I'm a tech whiz. But it's it's having to learn stuff from scratch. And it's almost like sometimes it's like learning to some of this stuff is almost like to use an analogy. It's like learning to write every single like imagine if you had to wake up every day and learn how to write from scratch right. every single day. So and here's what you have to do. Demoralizing. In those, that's right. It is. It is until we get our eyes out of the challenge, out of the frustration, and we get our eyes. It's in these moments that we've got to get our eyes up and looking towards that desired future. So the I love the analogy of mountain climbing, as you know in the book, but it's like you're on the side of the mountain right now. You are, literally, with your podcast, your coaching business, because I presume that you want it to eventually be full-time. Yeah. Excellent. So here you are. You're on the side of the mountain. You know what the pinnacle looks like. It is working for myself be able to make X amount of dollars or range, blah, blah, blah. So you know what it looks like. And yet here you are on the side of the mountain and here you're trying to get a newsletter out on time. It's not one of your talents or you had very little time because of your day job. And it is the equivalent of a storm coming along. And it was blue sky 20 minutes ago. And now here you are on the side of the mountain and howling winds, temperatures drop 30 degrees sleet and ice coming in. I mean, it's just, oh my gosh. And it is in those moments where on the side of the mountain, you have two options, right? You either begin the, to decline, go down the mountain. So I'm going to go down, I'm going to retreat and I'm hanging it up. It's too hard. Or the other option is 
I hunker down and I pull that, that hood tight and I get in tight and I get a good grip on the side of the mountain and I go, this storm is going to pass. And I can't even think of climbing up right now. I'm discouraged. I'm cold. I'm in pain. I want to quit. I'm questioning everything that I'm doing in that moment. But that's the nature of hunkering down. And we decide I'm going to stay. And I'm going to learn how to do a freaking newsletter the right way and get it out on time. I'm going to learn how to do what I need to do, or I'm going to make enough money. I'm going to work a couple extra jobs to be able to pay some 20-year-old whiz kid to do all my technology until I can get my coaching clients this high. And then I can bring on somebody part-time. And, if I, and, and so that's a so the internal discussion sh- should shift from, oh, man, this is cold and sleet in my eye and uh, to... This is part of climbing the mountain. I knew that this was going to happen. And while I'm shivering and hanging on, I'm looking up at the top of that mountain and I'm going, it's, that's where I want to be. And it's going to be worth it. If I just hang on, I'm going to get through this. The storm will pass. Uh, Sorry for the bad acting, but that is what the internal discussion must be. You begin to say, is the eventual where and my why is it worth what I'm dealing with in the now? And if the answer is unequivocally yes, then you will hunker down on the side of the mountain until the storm passes. And necessity becomes the mother of invention, doesn't it, as well? Because you kind of like, you you forge systems and processes yeah. in, in what you're doing based out of like just pure necessity. It's like, I've got a uh, sheet of paper here somewhere and, and I was using... You know, I was using Google Docs and I was using various checklist apps and all the rest of it and stuff. And then in the end, I was just like, no, because this is distracting because it's because it's on a smartphone or it's, you know. And in the end, I got a sheet of A4 paper uh, this last week and I literally did like a uh, a table on a Word document, okay? Like you used to have when you're doing sales targets, you know, if you've ever worked in sales. And it literally just had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the things I needed to do. And then I just put a big cross against it as I'm doing it. And it's blue tacked to the it's blue tacked to the wall over there. Yeah. And great. you suddenly begin to think that actually some of this stuff I'm way overcomplicating. And and the overcomplication of it is getting me inside my head and overthinking right. about it. If it's outside of my head, you know, to your book, you know, I've got a little notepad with a pencil stuck to there it. There it is. Because it's uh, because it's um because that is small enough to go in my pocket and I'm not using my smartphone all the time. It's little yeah. things like that that I just, you know, as you as you n- noticed, you just realize that you're a paper and pen guy, a paper and pencil guy. Um, yeah. But we kind of, again, we get obsessed by all this paraphernalia of stuff that we must have that's mm-hmm. kind of well, complicated. Well, the other thing we do is, is we, we overwhelm ourselves. Mm. Yeah. And the yeah. reason I love that mountain analogy or marathoning um, is because neither one of those endeavors is happens quickly. Mm. Yeah. The training isn't quick, nor is the actual feat itself. And um, I think we do ourselves such a great disservice when we try to accomplish too much. Um, we, instead of going, this is the main thing. And then after I accomplish this main thing, I'll now make it another main thing. So maybe instead of, a podcast and a bunch of coaching clients and a newsletter and then a blog and all the things you just go, okay, what, where can I thrive? And, and, and I'm going to do two of those. 
Okay. And so I'm going to, uh, if I can't find some email software that's super freaking easy and I can't find 20 minutes once a week to write a quick little nugget of a, of a newsletter, um, then maybe I shouldn't be doing this, you know? And so you just simplify and you, you know, like I didn't start out doing a podcast and, and, and then YouTube and a radio show. No, I started out doing radio show on a Saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon. No one was listening. Um, but I was learning the discipline and I was, it was super important that I learned the discipline of radio because I knew it would make me better on television. Yeah. And okay. so, you know, you, there's only so much you can do. I'm just going to jump into the conversation quickly here. I'm pretty excited to let you know that I have a Discord community running alongside this podcast exclusively for dads called the Guild of Dads Brotherhood. If you are a dad into self-improvement and you want to get the accountability camaraderie and resources of being amongst others on your dad improvement journey then this is for you it's an insane one off five pound to join and you also get a copy of my book the dad blueprint along with a bonus called fix yourself fix your marriage and a stack of other tools resources to get you started on your dad improvement journey want in head on over to dadblueprintbook.com and jump on in today so you know yeah, i think and, we and, overwhelm ourselves one, yeah, Greg, Greg McEwen. Greg McEwen talks about this in his book Essentialism, yes. and, and I really like that book a lot because he just strips out all the BS and says, "Right, just do that. Just do That's the it. bare minimum you need to do to That's keep right. that to keep moving one step in front of another, and just keep you know keep moving forward towards where you're where you want to go, sort of thing." And yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot yeah, of value. I keep in coming that. back to listen. I keep coming back to the mountain analogy because I want guys to get this. When I'm hanging on the side of the mountain, every step. Every reach is vital. There's no throwaway reaches or steps on the side of a mountain. Like you better be focused on that step and, and then this reach. And then I'm, I'm here and I'm looking down. So I'm not going to beat that horse anymore. We've, I've beat it to a pulp. But the point is, is that there is, there is intentionality and there is uh, focus that gets us where we want to go. It's not run 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 you know that's just that just is that's how we get overwhelmed yeah and 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 it's easy to get overwhelmed now because the thing is is like again i'm gonna sound like an old man saying this years ago before you had the internet and you could google answers to everything anything information was hard to come by so you had to kind of work shit out for yourself whereas now it's easy to come by and within like five minutes i can have 10 different versions of how to do something on a screen in front of me which is like poof, overwhelmed. Right, right, right. Um, what's it, one thing that I found interesting in the book, uh, Ken, was you spent mentioned that ninety uh, percent of employees told Harvard Business Review they would take a pay cut to do something more meaningful, and we've kind of delved into this already, kind of in in, in, the, in the conversation. But that's kind of quite a. I wasn't surprised by that statistic, but it's still shocking nonetheless mm-hmm. because it speaks to a large working population that it just like is stuck is stuck in exactly the same spot as we've described already sort of thing. And it's uh yeah, it's, it's a harrowing statistic in a lot of respects. It really is. But, and you think about it, it's, it's some brutal psychology behind the statistic, right? Think about it. Uh, everybody listening and watching right now, at some point in your life, you've probably been in a job where it took forever just to make it to lunchtime. Now just think about that. 
that's a form of psychological suffering. When you're just looking at, oh my gosh, it's only two o'clock and you're just trying to make it to quit in time. And there's a sense of relief when you're walking to the car, like, huh, okay, I'm out of there. I don't have to do that until tomorrow morning at 830. Just think about the profound psychological impact that has on people. And so that's the, that's what's going on. They're going, look, yeah, I would take less money not to feel this way every day. That's what that is. Mm, Yeah. It's really, it's really, it's not quite shocking when you think about it that way. Right. Because then you're going, okay, yeah, it makes total sense. It's a form of torture. It's shocking on a, do you know what? It's shocking on a personal level, but it's shocking on a societal level as well, because that's going to affect your energy levels, which affects how you show up as a, that's you know, right. as, a, as a wife or a husband or as a father or a mother or a brother or it's, and, and then it's going to impact you know you know it just impacts everything the ripple effect is just you know enormous um even down to the kind of mute, your general demeanor as a person and your general you know whether you're someone that's kind of happy-go-lucky and you know takes take rolls with life's punches or whether you're someone that gets stressed and angry when everyone whenever someone cuts them up on the freeway or motorway over as we call it over here you know all these all this kind of stuff it's such has such a massive wide-ranging impact if you've got that many people in that position sitting is there any surprise the divorce rate is where it is that you know teenagers are rebelling against their you know non-existent dads even though they're in the home i mean there's all kinds of societal ills that are uh very much directly tied to people that are not engaged at work i mean you drag that crap home with you, right? Mm. And vice versa. I mean, if your home life's in shambles, you're taking that to work. Mm. Yeah. So this One sense thing. of relational purpose and professional purpose, this is where we have a chance at being whole because we can see that it's not about me, right? In, in my relationship as a husband and a father, it's, it's about Stacy and the kids. But here, it's about the audience that I get to serve that looks to me for advice or encouragement. Uh, it's about my teammates. We're working together to, to bring transformation to the lives of people. So none of it's about me. And that is what is so rewarding in all of this. When we are on purpose, we are making our unique contribution, but it is not about our happiness. It is about our effectiveness. And when we see and experience our effectiveness relationally and professionally, watch, then it's much greater than happiness. It's joy. Mm. And one thing that's interesting as well is that in terms of, you know, what I just said about how what you're doing impacts everything, your demeanor, how you associate with people and stuff. You know, obviously, I've obviously been liaising with some of your staff to get this organized today it comes through as well. It comes through in, you know, across your organization and my dealings with, with your assistants and the people that have helped set up this podcast today, you know, it show it, sh- it shows that you guys enjoy what you do, enjoy what you're doing. You find it meaningful. You find that there's purpose and impact in, in, in the lives that you're changing and the message that you're putting out to people. And so, this kind of proof is in the pudding. You, know, you you can see that you can see this in organizations when that is, you know, when that is the case. So, yeah. 
So that's it's a compliment right. to you guys. Yeah, no, I think, well, listen, I work with some amazing women and men and, um, you know, they all see their role. You know what I mean? My face may be on the cover of a book or a name on the show, but the fact of the matter is I can't do that alone. Mm. You know, I'm standing on some very strong shoulders and, um, you know, it's each of those people you've dealt with have a sense of significance in that they know that what they're doing does make a difference. Mm. And that's yeah. what we all long. That's all we all long for is we just want to make a difference in this world. Definitely. Definitely. Now we're going to get to the meat and veg now. And I'm going to ask okay. you the, the question, the $64,000 question that everyone's going to be asking. So I am Joe Bloggs. This is a fictitious character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a, uh, He's in his job. He can't stand it. He's fed up. He's got, he thinks he's got no way out. And, uh, and he's just grasping at straws as to what he, what he should do. What is the first thing that someone in that position needs to start to really kind of dial in on, zone in on, to start to move things forward and start to look for an exit plan, so to speak? Absolutely. So what we must do is instead of looking outward, because that's the instinct of anybody who's not happy, is you start looking outward. I'm looking here. I'm looking there. I'm looking there. Is this something I want to do? And that is a um, futile exercise until we've looked inward. And so as you know, the book, From Paycheck to Purpose, unpacks seven stages. Think of it as a mountain climb. We've been talking about that metaphor throughout our conversation. And stage one is to get clear. So the first thing I want to say to Joe is, Joe we got to get clear on how you are uniquely constructed so that we can see what your unique contribution is. And once we know those two things, then we can see and confirm multiple places where I can, or he can be uniquely himself and make his unique contribution. So there's three elements. Every human being has three elements of, of what we will call uh, identification. This is who you are uniquely. Number one is talent. Everybody's born with talent. Some of you are listening, listening, watching right now going, I just don't do anything good at all. Of course, none of you are talking that way because you aren't from the South and in America. So that was my fake Southern, Southern guy that's listening. I just realized that we have a largely British audience. Uh, so that's kind of fun. So there's your Southern accent. So there's a little bonus content. So (laughs) you're thinking, you know, I'm not good at anything. Well, that's just a lie. Everybody has talent. So talent comes in the form of hard skills, whether that be good with fixing things or building things tangibly, um, whether that be being really good with people, whether that be good with content and ideation, things of that nature, uh, whether that be uh, good with processes and administrative and details. Okay. So everybody has talent that is of a technical nature. Then there is what we call people skills, soft skills. And so you've got talent. And those talents, like a ball of clay, when meeting the pressure of the potter's hands and water and the force of the potter's wheel can be shaped into something extremely effective and usable. All right, that's talent. Think of talent as your tools, okay? Premium tools. Let me tell you something. In America, we love our big tools, all right? You know, the gas, (laughs) you know, we like all that stuff around here, okay? So, uh, those are power tools. So then the next element is what, what I call passion, which is um, a love, a deep love of a type of task um, or a function or a role. So you may love teaching people. You may love speaking to people. You may love uh, fixing things. You may love advising, you know, whatever, uh, designing, creating. Okay. 
So everybody has a love of some type of work. And then the third element is what I call mission, which is all work creates results. And so mission speaks to what results do I want my work to create for the world or to contribute to the world? So if work creates results, what results most fire me up? And this speaks to the psychology and the intrinsic motivation, meaning I'm a parent of three teenagers. So when I tell them your room has to be clean or you're not going out with your friends this weekend and they clean the room up, that's extrinsic motivation, right? So they are doing it either to avoid punishment or for reward. That's extrinsic. Me getting up at 5.30 a.m. to work out is intrinsic. I'm doing it for my reasons. I want to get up early and sweat and do all that junk, right? So I have, or whatever, or I want to eat right, or, you know, I want to read more. That's a personal motivation. So that speaks to motivation. So those are the three elements. Now watch how they come together like a thread. When I use what I do best talent to do work, I love passion to produce results that matter to me mission. I am on purpose. I am bringing my unique combination together of talent, passion, mission for a purpose. And that is to make a unique contribution to the world through my work. And I am good at it. I love the work and the results matter deeply to me. This is significance and joy and purpose. And so Mm -hmm. I would say to that guy, Joe, all right, let's get clear on your combination, the individual elements in the combination. I would say, hey, take the get clear career assessment. Because what I just described in five minutes, you can do in 20 with very pinpointed questions that I uh, have delivered in a digital product. And you get a report on your top talents, a report on your top passions, a report on your missions. Then you get them put together in a sentence that says, I was created to use my top talents of blank, 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 to perform my passions of blank, 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 to accomplish my mission of blank. And there are six intrinsic motivators that are the six missions. And so when Joe would see that, then Joe now has a purpose statement that he can now look at. And it's almost as if he's laying it out over the world at work from 35,000 feet. And he's looking at it and he looks at an individual job description here, one here, and he goes, does that job description match up with my purpose statement? Can I spend three-fourths of my day in my purpose statement? And if the answer is yes, ding, 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 there's one of many purposeful positions. And so um, that is when I'll use a racket since I'm talking to a Brit, you know, uh, when the, when a tennis player at Wimbledon hits the ball in the sweet spot of the racket, what happens? It goes like a clappers. And it's amazing. Maximum performance. Mm. And so we have a spot, a sweet spot in life and work where we are operating at maximum performance and people look at us and go, you were born for that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like work as well. People would describe it not feeling like work as well because it's something they'd quite happily, <laughs> they'd all, if they didn't have um, bills to pay, they'd ha- quite happily do it for free, you know? Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like what we call work. It is work. It's hard work. I work my butt off, all right? You can talk to anybody I work with. They know my schedule. I'm going hard every day, you know? By the time my day's done, I'm driving home in the car and I've been talking so much and thinking, I'm like, you know I mean? My brain is just fried. (laughs) So it's hard work, but to your point, it doesn't feel like drudgery. It doesn't feel like have to, it feels like get to. 
So you're working as hard as you, in fact, you work harder in your sweet spot than you ever do. You'll work harder, but it doesn't feel like this drudgery and this, 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 this penance that you're paying. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think as well is I think, um, and again, I'm going to, I'm going to use the example of guys. I think, I think people, um, and anyone that's in the kind of artistic industries are going to be like throwing arrows at me while I'm saying this. But I think sometimes as well, we get caught up in this notion of there being like a product, if that makes any sense, like yep. a product that you're selling. And I yep. think that when you're selling your, when your product is you, it's a quantum leap to make because you actually, it's a difficult, it's not difficult. It's a different, it's a different thing to look at when your product is you, as opposed to, you're trying to sell a sell a product, and and I think that that makes it kind of uh, uh, challenging because if you if you're selling a service of some kind, your personal services to do something of value, it's 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 just a different way of kind of looking at things for people. I think so. It really uh, is, and I think you make a very good point on this on the selling a product uh, or a service you're not selling a product or a service. You are actually providing a solution to a customer through the product or the service, mm. but you yourself are the guide. A salesman yeah. is a guide, a consultant, an advisor to help that customer decide that the product or service you're selling is a solution. So I, I like the way you put that. And I think that's important because again, that's meaningful work. You aren't just a salesperson selling a product or a service. Um, you are helping a customer solve a problem. Yeah, that's the, it's a, it's an interesting way of looking at it. I think it's it's important to look at it that way because it helps people kind of contextualize a little bit better. And 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 so when guys are looking at this, where what sort of things are they got going to have to look at in terms of kind of doing their research and actually looking around? Is it actually just a case of finding a job that kind of fits or? because some jobs I guess are going to be easier to get qualified for and in a shorter space of time than others that are going to be a, a slightly longer path. And, you know, and again, this is something that kind of plays into it as well. People often think in terms of, Oh, well, it took me ages to go to college and university or whatever. And, you know, I can't go through that again and stuff. And again, in, in this world, there are different avenues to follow to get to places that weren't, Maybe not, they weren't available, but they're not the conventional route of doing it, you know? Yeah, I think you have to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Mm. You know, I've said this on the show many times. If I were to walk around the streets of Nashville with a camera and a microphone and I met people on the street and I said, hey, um, if I guaranteed you success in your profession or whatever profession you dream of, are you willing to do whatever it takes? Nine out of 10 people go, yeah, absolutely. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. But if I followed that question up with, okay, great. Are you willing to wait as long as it takes? I'd start to get, oh, oh how, how long are we talking? <laughs> Therein lies the issue. Therein lies the issue. Most people say they're willing to do what it takes. But where they aren't honest with themselves and where they get tripped up is they're not willing to wait as long as it takes. There is a tremendous amount of tension between persisting, getting up and doing the thing you got to do to get where you want to go and then waiting for that to happen because it's, it's this weird 
trade-off. Think about it. Well, I'm doing, I'm, I'm making connections. I'm, I, I got qualified. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this, doing this. And it just hasn't happened yet. And it's like, there's a tension there. And yet anything worth achieving um, is at the other side of patience. Yes, you get up and do it every day. Persist, persist, persist. But turns out that the greater discipline is not persisting. The greater discipline is waiting. Mm. Yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> You're right there. I That's can, where you are right now. I can, That's what's uh, killing you. I can attest to that. And, yeah, because you're asking yourself, how long, how much longer am I going to have to do it this way until I can walk from this day job? I mean, I get it, man. I've been there. Yeah, and I think it's, the answer uh, is as long as it takes. Yeah, and uh, and early mornings, late nights, <laughs> putting in a couple of hours after you know before everyone gets up in the mor- on a on a weekend morning and stuff and that and uh, yeah. Hey, and- let me tell you this. Let me let me just make it real for you and your audience. <laughs> The early mornings and the late nights are nothing. Those are cake. <laughs> it's the fear and the doubt. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. yeah. So, it's, so it's, it's those quiet moments late at night or early morning where you're going, oh man, I, I just feel like I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to look like an idiot to my wife, to my family, to my friends. I, I just, I'm afraid that I'm, that I'm wasting time and money. I doubt that I have the talent. I doubt that I can ever pay myself. Those voices, that's, those are the brutal enemies. Yeah. And, like and this, learning how like to tell list. them to shut up is huge. Yeah. It's like this list, isn't it? If I didn't give a flying F what people thought, what would I do? And then you just write down this sheet of A4 with all these pieces. Exactly right. It's exactly <laughs> it's like right. Self-therapy. I, mean, I get people locked up on the show all the time and I'll say, what would you do tomorrow if you knew you couldn't fail and you didn't have to commit the rest of your life to it? And un- shockingly, their brain unlocks. I've had, I've had literally critics on podcast. I've made the mistake of looking at a couple of comments. I, I never look at comments. Somebody's like, yes, the same question to these people every day. I'm, I feel like going, yeah, you dolt, because I know what unlocks people's brains. And what unlocks <laughs> our brains for ideation is taking away the risk. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's analysis. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it, it, I we could do a whole podcast episode on the on the mindset of doing stuff that's really difficult. Yeah, <laughs> which this is, but you could just go off. You, you, we could do three oh. or four hours on on, yeah. on the mental torture that be one puts themselves through on a daily basis. Oh, and I am I'm recovering. I'm an overanalyzer. Yeah, so I come by it naturally. And yeah. uh, boy, I tell you what, left alone to play tennis in my head is torture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I uh, and listeners to this podcast will have heard this. I call it the meaning equation, which is vision plus action equals meaning. And the reason be the reason I call it that is because when you develop a vision as to where you want to go and you start taking uh-huh. action on that vision, that is what the byproduct of that is meaning, and it and and, and it becomes meaningful. But the problem is, is you can't do any of that without any action. If you're just sitting there, it just doesn't happen. Action has no. to be the precursor to meaning. But you to gotta be. get off of the bleachers, man, and put the boots on and get on the pitch. You know, you you are preaching to the converted here, though. That's the thing. That, that's the oh, thing, Ken. So your your job your job is 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 slightly is slightly is slightly easier. Um. 
One thing I'm going to touch upon before we kind of because we're we're getting up to we've 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 gone great guns tonight. Um, connection. There's an old expression we say over here, and and I think you guys have it over there as well. It's not what it's not what you know, mm-hmm. it's who you know, mm-hmm. and 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 that that kind of whole has always I think held true. I think we've been seduced by the. Um, the expertise fallacy now. But I think still deep down, we know that you need to be connected to people and you need to have people that you can um, connect with in order to make stuff happen. And it, it, it's the kind of thing that it oils the machinery of society. Um, And when it's not there, stuff just doesn't happen when it is there. Stuff happens a lot easier. Um, What, what about connection? How? Why is this kind of su- such an important part of possibly making this process a hell of a lot easier? Mm. I think I think uh, the foundation of the importance of connections is simply that nobody gets where they want to go on their own. Period. So once we understand that we can't get where we want to go on our own. Um, whether that be relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, professionally, it doesn't matter any area of life where you've got a goal and there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. You don't get there on your own. It's impossible. And, and so understanding that, that we need others and the way that we can get that help from others is to say, will you help me? Uh, then we can begin to go, okay, this is pretty important then that I am out there connecting all the time, um, learning, helping others, um, uh, learning how to help others and, and being on the other side of that helps us have the courage and bravery to ask for help from others. Um, I believe in the raw, I, I believe in the law of reciprocity, right? When I, when I do good things for others, um, others will do good things for me, you know, and I don't walk around just looking for favors. I'm actually helping people as well. So it's a lifestyle first and foremost, but making connections is the key because, you know, doors of opportunity are rarely kicked down. You know, it's been somewhat popularized in motivational posters or sayings, uh, movies, and it's been, you know, all this kind of but you know, I I just I I I can't think of a major door in my own career that I kicked over. I can't think of one that I kicked over. Um, every major one was like this. Hey, you should come in over here. You know, I mean, and that's a function of me uh, over time getting around the right people, getting in the right places, asking questions, having a spirit of humility. Uh, a spirit of servitude, a spirit of learning. Um, and, and then people want to help you when you are helpable. Uh, and so connections of just making yourself a lifelong student, learning from people, telling them what you are looking for. Do they have the ability to help or do they know somebody that can help done in the right way? It's, um, as I said, you're quite helpable because you're an attractive person. Your posture is not in this, I'm a vampire, but I'm a sponge. Yeah. Two very different ways of yeah. approaching this. Don't be a vampire. Be a sponge. Yeah. Give without any expectation of see, receiving anything in return. Ask yeah, to learn first and foremost. 
See, nobody's ever offended when you say, hey, Joe, listen, I really admire you. You're somebody I look up to. Can I get 15 minutes on the phone with you? I've got five specific questions. I'll email them ahead of time if you'd like. And I would just love to record our call. I want to get your insight your and, and, your, and, and your knowledge on some stuff. Would you be willing to do that? Now, that versus, hey, you know, I'm, I've, I've, I'd like to get on this podcast. Would you uh, get me on this podcast? Would, would you have me on your podcast? Because I think I'd really be good on your podcast. Which one of those two requests are you, A, more attracted to? First one, by shadow of doubt. And I've experienced the second one, definitely. I'll bet you have. And which one are you most likely to act on? The first one. Of course. You're attracted to it, and you're most likely going to act on it. That's the idea. One is a sponge. The other is a vampire. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's, You know, it's really funny. Um, And you'll appreciate this being a podcast to yourself. When people go, hey, you got a podcast? Yeah, um, I'd, 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 I'd love. No, they don't even use that word. I'd love to. It's like I'll come on your podcast. Uh, it's just right. they don't even say I'd love to. It's like I'll come on your podcast, and you're like, right. Will hang you? a minute. I don't hang know how that's going to happen. Hang on a minute. I don't. You don't invite yourself around to my house. No, I, I invite no. you around to my house. <laughs> so true, you know. It and is so bizarre. that's something they want to get something from you, right? Not learn something from you. Big difference. Mm. Mm, it is very is is a very it's a very funny world it is a very funny world podcasting ken it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today and um there's a there's a there's a there's a ton of like stuff that we've delved into the book if you're listening is called paycheck to purpose i'm going to be referring a lot of guys within my uh network and my tribe to this because it is definitely a book that a lot of guys should be reading if 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 you're listening to this and you fall into the category of the, the type of man or dad that we've been speaking to. So yeah, I, I, I really do appreciate the work that you're doing, Ken, and also, uh, and also your time today. Um, for people that have not heard of you, because some of the guys in the UK probably won't have, what is the best way for them to look you up, find out a bit more about what you're doing? You mentioned obviously your, um, I can't even remember what it's called. It's like a, it's a calculator that works out. What oh, the assessment. The assessment, yeah. that's it, yeah. Yeah, so um, you can get that product plus the book, any resources, connect with the show. We're on YouTube, uh, certainly podcast as well. Uh, for those across the pond there, uh, kencoleman.com. Kencoleman.com is the website for all of those resources. And uh, I, I do, I, I would uh, be remiss if I didn't say that, uh, not only am I grateful to be on your show, uh, but what you're doing in the lives of dads is um, immeasurably valuable. And uh, dads out there, uh, I'm a dad of three. Um, please know that you matter tremendously. Um, and uh, there's a unique contribution for you to make, not just as a dad, uh, but also as a worker in this world. And uh, if I can in any way shed light on that, please engage with us on the site. We have free products as well. So however we can help, uh, please engage because we need you. I love it. And thanks for those words. I I know uh, that will resonate with a lot of guys listening, Ken. Um, I'm going to ask you one last question. I don't prime any of the guests on the podcast for. And that question is, and I think I might know the answer to this one before you say it. Ken, what is it in life that gives you meaning, sir? Yeah, you know, um, husband first, dad second and coach to many people that I never even get to meet. 
um, some I get to meet and it's a, it's a crazy privilege, but, um, those are the three roles, father, uh, excuse me, husband, father, and coach. Um, that gives me tremendous juice. Uh, turns out I really love it. And, uh, um, there's tremendous impact for me to make there that has nothing to do with me. And so that uh, keeps me in check, um, as to why I need to get out of bed every day and give it everything I got. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ken, thank you very much, sir. Uh, you. And with your, uh, with that in mind, I will uh, bid you fond farewell and, and all the very best of luck with the book and the uh, future projects you've got coming up, sir. Thank you, sir. Again, I'm so grateful to be with you. All right. Cheers, man. If you want to find out a bit more about Ken, you can check out his work at kencoleman.com on which there is a ton of free resources, including his book and the assessment tool we discussed. You can also check him out on social media. If you enjoyed today's episode, the greatest compliment you can give me is a rating or review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also share with friends or relatives you think may benefit. And don't forget, look me up and follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.